Hi, and welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We we get off to a great start this week. Packers, Cardinals, we have great games really throughout the week. Really some divisions are starting to become much more clearer, along with the NFL trade deadline coming just next week, at the beginning of next week, November 2nd. So we're going to break down each and every matchup like we always do. So Shai... Let's get right into it, because it's game game time. time. So we'll start with, I think, a candidate for maybe the game of the year, potentially. And that's the Green Bay Packers flying to the West Coast to take on the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals being the NFL's lone undefeated team, sitting really nice at 7-0. This is such a tough game to pick, because I was leaning, I don't want to say heavily, but I, w- I, was, I was planning on picking the Packers, and I think I'm still going to go that way. I'm still going to pick the Packers, but taking Green Bay's two best receivers off the board here, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, both are on the COVID list for multiple reasons, but both are on the COVID list. That makes it that much difficult against a Cardinals offense that we know can put up points left and right. And a Cardinals defense that's really exceeded expectations, I think maybe... If we're looking at not teams, but units that have exceeded expectations the most, I think you have to put the Cardinals defense right up there. Yeah, absolutely. They've been uh, really good at not only providing splash plays, um, you know, but, the, but, but but getting pressure. They've been making plays in the secondary when, they needed, when they've needed to, you know, led by Byron Murphy. And Huda Baker as well, who's been I think playing with, well. With Baker, though, he had already established himself as a very good safety Byron Murphy, you add another playmaker. You add another playmaker, but you know he was the first pick of the second round years ago. High expectations coming out of Washington, and it kind of seemed like that just never materialized until now. Now he's playing like really a number one corner, which we didn't know who would step up to that role with the departure of Patrick Peterson in the off season. Well, yeah, he was drafted really to play. Uh, well, he, he when he was drafted, he was playing slot corner. And that's obviously a position where it's considered less valuable. It's it's harder to really make a name for yourself. And he was solid. They've been moving him around. He's playing outside. He's playing the slot he now. He wasn't that number one corner. And right. also that transition from slot to outside. That's a lot. That's a bigger transition than I think most people would think. Exactly. But I think he's really uh, coming shown, into his own. Yeah, shown that he can be a ball hawk from both positions. Um, and I think this game is tricky because. You know, I have kind of that hunch that you have maybe to go Green Bay just because um, you have Aaron Rodgers right. coming in here. Kyler Murray's the M- team. Kyler Murray, in my mind, is the MVP at this point in the year. But I think in these big games against great teams, we still need to see it from Kyler Murray. I know he had the great game against the Rams. That was very telling. But you know, the Cardinals have never made the playoffs. Last year, they had the opportunity couldn't come through down the stretch. We just really haven't seen from Kyler those big moments on big stages, at least consistently. He's had a few, and we've seen that from Aaron Rodgers. Even with no Devontae Adams, even with no Alan Lazard, I know Aaron Rodgers will still get the best out of the pieces that he has. And I I think Kyler will too, to an extent. But with, with the ball in their hands, with the game on the line, at least in this stage of their careers... I have more faith in Aaron Rodgers because he's shown it really at every level. When Kyler, I think he has the capability to do it, and I think he will 
show us at some point, but Rodgers has done it, and right now I would trust Aaron Rodgers slightly more than Kyler Murray, which is why I have the Packers over the Cardinals. It should be a great game, and I think this is a game that does come down to who has the ball last, who has the ball in the final two minutes or so. Yeah, and I think not only Aaron Rodgers, but this Green Bay team, uh, led by Matt LaFleur, has been challenged under the lights. This is a team that, you know, has has really um, has seen its fair share of, of close games, of, you know, played really good football teams. They know how to handle this, and there's a pressure with being undefeated and being a younger team. And when you're faced up against kind of this, this team of uh, uh, led by a, a grizzled vet, one of the, uh, who happens to be one of the best quarterbacks in football, um, even when they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder without those receivers... Rodgers plays better, I think, when he actually has a chip on his shoulder. Exactly. There's less pressure from them. And it's, uh, I think it's the expectations are different. And I think that's going to... Uh, the experience is only going to help Green Bay. With that being said, though, Alex... I'll say this one yeah. before we get to your pick. The Packers have shown that they can win games when Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard are either out right. or have or held in check. You know, We've seen guys like Cobb step up. I believe Marquez Vitas-Scantling, I think he's been out. I believe he'll be back this week. Tanyan has made some big plays in the red zone, and we obviously know... You know, with Aaron Jones and now even AJ Dillon, they have a very good and balanced running, uh, rushing attack as well. So we've seen the Packers win games even without some of their best playmakers. You know, not on the field. Yeah, um, I think with all that experience going towards Green Bay's way, I do like Arizona just because uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they've been really good at getting the quarterback, and I think they have the utility to keep. Rodgers in the pocket and I think that Green Bay is not going to have a ton of a passing game to lean on obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to come to play but you know his list of eligibles is restricted and you really just circle Randall Cobb as being that guy and who I think better to match Tanyan, up? I think Tanyan, Tanyan you can put up there and okay we'll see what they can get from Valdez Scantling but you you look at those two guys and, and you have to think oh that's a matchup we expect Byron Murphy be able to Or maybe on the other side, if Buda Baker is, is seeing Tanyan in coverage, or that's a matchup that we expect um, the Cardinals to win, or, or even, you know, win more times than not, enough to, to, to really prevent this Packers passing game from getting rhythm. So that's what's uh, probably pushing me a little bit towards Arizona. Not only the fact that Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray's so mobile against the Packers defense that has been solid this year but have seen their fair share of struggles when they're not able to put pressure on quarterbacks. And I think Vance Joseph, the Cardinals defensive coordinator, should be one of the hot names on the head coaching circuit come, you know, January, February. He I know it didn't work out in Denver. He was one and done, but he does have experience. He does have experience and now we've seen him get the best out of his players, coach his guys up and, you know, have a unit that's really exceeded all expectations. Uh, I expect Vance Joseph to be one of the uh, potentially prime head coaching candidates uh, when the cycle comes around at the end of the regular season. Absolutely. He is that unit playing, uh, you know, among the top units in football. Which I think no one expected. I think a reason why I had the Cardinals as the worst team in this division, mainly because I thought their offense would be explosive. I just didn't see their defense playing the way it has. So now let's move on to the Sunday slate, starting with a division division game, 
the struggling Carolina Panthers traveling to Atlanta, taking on the Falcons. I'm going with the home team here. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. To put it simply, Falcons are just the are just playing better football right now. You know, the uh, you take out their first game where they got trounced by Philly. They got beat up by Tampa, but at one point it was a three-point game. They beat the Giants. They beat the Dolphins. And I know these aren't, like, the most impressive wins, but it just seems like they're just playing better football. And neither of us had high expectations for the Falcons, but it kind of seems like this is at least how we thought they would play, where they would at least be, you know, a respectable team with a potent offense. They nearly beat Washington as well, who I know isn't great, but they play just much better and have just played more competitively the last few weeks, really since that week one debacle. The Panthers, Darnold looks like his New York Jets self. The offensive line is banged up. The Panthers just aren't not playing good football all around. The defense is playing okay, but you know they couldn't get stops against Minnesota. They really struggled against Dallas. I'm just going with the hotter team, the team that in my eyes is just the better team coming into this week, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to pick the Falcons as well. It just seems like the Panthers have lost momentum. They've lost confidence, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Darnold's running for his life once again. Right. You know, that offensive line was holding up earlier in the season. It's, it's banged up. So, you know, it's, it's, you can only blame some of the guy so much because it is so banged up. Mm-hmm. But and that's that's the unfortunate reality of the NFL. Guys are going to get injured, and, you know, if you can't, if you can't have that next man up mentality or you're not able to execute that, these things happen. Not yeah. ju- not not just the Panthers, it's all thirty two teams. You're absolutely right. I, I, I think the, the Falcons are just gonna be able to uh I think they have a veteran quarterback who's, you know, been you know, putting together some some good performances and I and I think that's just gonna at the end of the day, this Panthers defense uh is also a little bit banged up in the secondary has struggled. I think Gilmore is gonna is supposed to make his debut. So Coming we'll, off of a long injury. Well, I was going to say, so we'll see how much that helps, but right away I could see him. It, it might take him a few weeks to kind of get back into that rhythm and the speed of the NFL. Meanwhile, on the other side, Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, slow start to the year. I think he's really caught up to the speed of the game. He's now back-to-back huge performances. Yeah, absolutely. We'll look for him to get involved. It feels like this Carolina secondary took a... To go to definitely a big step back after J.C. Horn's injury. He was playing such a great football um, as a rookie. We're going to both go, I think, with Atlanta here, the hotter team, that by the more veteran quarterback. And, you know, Arthur Smith is uh, has been delivering with these closer games of late. And I think uh, closer games of late, and it was really easy, I think, for this entire team to fold after losing 32-6 to to an Eagles team that we didn't really love coming into the year. So I think, again, we don't expect this Falcons team to go far by any stretch of the imagination, but they're showing some resiliency as they're playing just much better and more competitively against teams that, you know, some cases they are around the Falcons level, but in other cases are even better. So now let's go back to, you know, divisional matchup. Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins, second time this year. Bills killed Miami last time. A big reason was, you know, Tua gets injured in the first quarter. Even with Tua playing this one, I think we both expect the Bills to really run away with this. Dolphins have been, I mean, they're 1-6. They've been terrible. I know they almost beat the Falcons, but they've been terrible this year. They've been terrible. They're 
one of the worst teams in football. I think a lot of their holes, especially along the offensive line, you know, that's getting exposed. I did not like the Jalen Waddle pick. I thought they should have taken Penny Sewell when Cincinnati and Atlanta passed on him. That's it's looking like they probably should have. I just don't. I, it seems Bills. I feel like have every advantage in every facet of the game. Is there is there is there a phase of the game, coaching, management, offense, even special teams, where they don't have the advantage? Any position where they don't have the advantage? No, there 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 really isn't, Alex. Um, the the Dolph, the Dolphins have really just been. Uh, a little bit of a mystery by the way the, how you had mu- you had very high expectations for I them. did have high expectations for the Dolphins this year you thought this was a playoff team I thought this was a playoff team coming in the year I thought this defense would still be able to keep that high level of production Brian Flores has taken a massive step back as a head coach yeah and I think that's reflecting um on that defense with that type of regression that's really just unacceptable and then offensively, you mentioned it. Two has played well the last couple yeah. of weeks. I think coming back from injury, start off mediocre, but against Jacksonville, he had the bad interception. And against Atlanta, he had a couple of really bad interceptions. So he does have to cut those plays out. But I'd say over the last couple of weeks, it, it's main, the defense has really let them down. Again, Tua needs to clean up some of the, you know, like the what are you doing type plays. Yeah, but the head over, scratchers. But overall, I think Tua is, he's played okay the last couple of weeks. I just don't know if he's the long-term answer for the Dolphins that can really make that difference. Yeah, there's, I mean, every time it feels like he's gaining a rhythm, there's just a play where you're kind of scratching your head thinking saying, like, what's happening. What goes through your head that tells you to make that type of throw? Yeah, I, and I think that part of that probably is the fact the offensive line has taken major steps back because um, it almost felt like last year. It was um, above expectation. Like, it was the, I, the talent. They were playing above their talent level, and this year they're playing lower or as if at I level. think they might be playing around their level, maybe a little lower. I had major questions about this offensive line coming into the year, which is why well, I thought they should have taken Sewell. And I think... Again, it's tough to say I didn't think this offensive line play was coming because I just thought last year's play, given the talent level, was just unsustainable. And I think that's proving to be correct. Yeah, I think I was a little bit of a different view uh, on that, given how well they were able to play last year, just because I thought, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, because they were, you know, able to give to a time. It was just about him gaining that confidence. But clearly, there has been big regression on that front. So we're both, I think, going to take the Bills to win in a in a close one. Or not a close one. A, a win away at this game. The Bills rather. should win by multiple scores, especially yeah. they had the ec- extra week of preparation with their bye week last yeah. week. Buffalo should win this one pretty handily, yeah. especially bye week. And before that tough loss to Tennessee, they'll be motivated. So now going to the San Francisco 49ers. Traveling to Chicago, taking on the Chicago Bears. I'm going with the Niners. I think they're going to make life really, really difficult for Justin Fields. This isn't the same defense that we saw two years ago. It's t- it's definitely taking steps back. But remember, like Kyler Murray, I believe the Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense could only put up 17 against this defense. Like this defense hasn't been great this year. At the same time, it hasn't been terrible. And Justin Fields, he looks lost. Uh, to me, he's almost like a deer in headlights. Uh, he does. He's really struggling adjusting to the NFL game, adjusting to the speed of the game, knowing it's not just like a one-read type thing. He The offensive line hasn't played well, but he hasn't helped the offensive line. He's holding on to the ball too long. His pocket presence needs to improve. 
Justin Fields, I think, still can be a very good quarterback at the NFL level. But I think Matt Nagy was trying to hide some of these things when everyone wanted Fields in there. And he said, no, no, no. He has to kind of sit back and learn. I think Nagy was on to something, and I think we're all seeing why. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it, it's disappointing because we know the, the, the potential. And um, I think he still can. Exactly. It's, what, three, four games? Right. He's still so early in his career. But I think, again, we're starting to see some of the deficiencies that come from, you know, from that college game to the NFL game. It's totally different, and I think Justin Fields is a prime example of that. Right. I just think it's a situation where it feels like he needs to take a step back and kind of... uh, Collect himself, take a deep deep breath. Because sometimes he just looks a little too... He looks a little overwhelmed, frankly. He looks overwhelmed. I think they need to, especially early on in games... I know it's not maybe what the analytics say, but don't take deep shots. Like I think, the, and I'm not saying don't take deep shots, but make single read look. Make it as easy on field as possible. Get the ball in your hands as quickly as possible. Quick slants, quick curls. Get these quick routes going where guys can get open quickly, so we can get the ball out quickly and kind of just move. Get into a rhythm, build confidence in himself, and then you can gradually start taking more shots down the field. You know, you know, it's funny. It almost seems like what the Dolphins were doing last year with Tua, and it started to work, and it started to win games with him. And now it Not, seems like we've kind of lost that from them. But that's just just uh, going back to, to what we were just talking well, about. I'm going to say it later in the podcast, but even the Chiefs did something similar with Mahomes. When when Mahomes was in his first year starting, it, it's very rare for a quarterback to be you know taking deep shots down the field in your first career start. With confidence, I think Justin Herbert, even Herbert threw a bad interception in his first career starts, but I think Herbert might be an exception to that. The Bears, I think, need to take it slow with Fields. I think he still has all the talent in the world. But I think, you know, quick reads, get the ball out quick, move the chains. I think get get Fields into a rhythm in that first quarter. I'm going with the Niners. Garoppolo, he's looked okay. Uh, running game, I don't know how the Bears will fare against this Niners running game. And I again, I think they're. I think Fields is going to re- have another tough day against a solid Niners defense. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Niners as well. They're just a more solid team at this point. Um, they're 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 not playing particularly great at any level, but they're, it feels like they're playing solid, really at, at, at mo- most levels. And, and the Bears are not. The Bears it might are just be, not. It yeah. might be as simple as that. Niners are playing well, okay. Bears are playing below that. So now we'll go back to a lot of division matchups. A lot of division matchups on this, what, now week eight? Wow, we're already yeah. week eight. <laughs> Time flies. So we're going to your Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cleveland, taking on the Cleveland Browns. I have gotten burnt by picking the Steelers, I think, way too many times. I picked them to beat <laughs> Cincy this year. That didn't work. Last year, I, th- I always picked Pittsburgh, and towards the, towards the end, that didn't work. I, I guess I haven't learned my lesson. Yeah, I haven't never, I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you're a curse, Alex. I, I'm I'm the curse. As a Steelers fan, you want me to start picking against them? Yeah, maybe that might that might be what it is. And then you're superstitious, and it's all because of me. It's possible the football gods might not might not like your confidence. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan, so that that might explain a lot too. <laughs> the football gods not not being too fond of me. Uh, now I'm gonna go now if Baker was healthy. I'd pick the Browns. And I I think, you know, you agree with me on that end. No, I don't know what I necessarily do, Alex. Ooh, okay. So we'll get... we'll get. I would probably pick Cleveland if Baker was healthy, but either they're going to be facing Case Keenum, 
who I like him as a backup. He's a very good backup, but he's a backup. And there's a reason why he's a backup. And I just don't think, and with Odell injured, Landry still getting back in the swing of things, this defense, specifically the secondary, has been kind of up and down all year, all year round. We saw Justin Herbert absolutely shred them apart. Now, again, Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in football, but, you know, I think there's still something to be taken away from that or taken, you know, taken away from that game. I'm going to go with, the, I just don't, and even a bigger play is he has a torn labrum. He has bone, his shoulder's broken, essentially. He's broken bones in his shoulder, torn labrum. What kind of Baker Mayfield are you getting? Because he's obviously going to be hobbled. And again, I think the Steelers defense with that pass rush is going to make life difficult on whoever the quarterback is. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think there's so much uncertainty with the Browns at quarterback. If I were the Browns, I would actually sit Baker Mayfield because I think the worst thing you could do is play him and it somehow gets worse and worse and worse. And now instead of a, even if, even if it means sitting him for most of the season, instead of it being like a one season injury, it could be a two or three season injury or or worse where is Baker Mayfield never the same. Yeah. Um, I think the fat Baker Mayfield, you know, and his health is a, is a big concern. And I know Baker's going to want to play, but I think the doctors need to do what's best for his long-term health and the Browns, not, you know, this one game against right. Pittsburgh or this even this one season. Because, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Steelers have had a very interesting... Uh, relationship. Relationship. <laughs> because, you know, obviously you have some times where he's gotten the better of them, but if that doesn't happen, that's when he gains less confidence. But when he doesn't gain the confidence, it's because he's getting hit and hit hard. Um, we saw both happen last season. And this offensive line is also, they're banged up themselves. Exactly. Let, let me set the context for this game a little bit as a Steelers fan. <laughs> you have the playoff game, you know, last, last year. year they, Pittsburgh basically gets blown out. They gifted the Browns 21 points at home, gets blown out. It, you know, this is a game where you have all the shenanigans before. You have, you know, Claypool and Juju in their comments. And really, the Browns rubbed it in the Steelers' face. Let's be honest. That's what happened. Um, this is a team they should have beaten, the, the team that Steelers should expect it to beat, and they really just let everything go. The, you have to... Th- and that also the game that prompted, you know, you know, this conversation around Ben retiring, Marquis Pouncey retires. It's a game that means a lot. Well, I think people were starting to speculate about a possible Ben Re- Ben Roethlisberger retirement before that game. I think it further right. magnified it, though. But then you have that scene where Ben and Pouncey, Pouncey are crying. Are, right. on the- now, obviously, you know, hindsight, Pouncey was retiring. I think that's a big reason why. Right. And so I think this game must have been circled. After the bye, Alex, the, the, you, you're going into now their home, and you got to feel like you're giving them, you want to give the Browns a taste of their own medicine. And I'm really trying not to just be a homer here. For I, mean, that I, reason. I take Pittsburgh. But it feels like, you know, taking that all into account, but also the trajectory of these teams, Pittsburgh has not, you know... Uh, they're, in the, they're, they're, on, they're an older team that's on the decline. They're an older team that's on the decline, but they're building some wins gradually. They're close wins, not impressive wins. But every week, they don't make the mistake, the mistake twice, and they're improving in some areas. And the Browns are a team that had really high expectations. I know at least I did. And now they're plateauing, plateauing, not really meeting them, especially with an injury at, at quarterback, that defense. It's been really Miles Garrett. And Owusu-Koromoa. Owusu-Koromoa. But 
That secondary has not played up to par, especially all the investment they've given in it this season. It just feels like it's time for the, you know the older team, the grizzled team, to, to kind of you know sh- one last hurrah, right? I, I do think they'll split this series, but it feels like this is Pittsburgh's Well, I think it win. depends on the injury situation. We don't know how right. these teams will look like down the road. We don't know the Baker Mayfield situation down the road regarding his injury. But knowing what we know now, specifically the injury to Mayfield, I'm going with the Steelers. I think they're going to, again, whether it's Keenum or Mayfield, I think they have the edge, especially with that potent defensive line. Go against a very good offensive line, but not at 100%. Yeah, it's going to be about physicality. This, If the Steelers can win at the line of scrimmage and contain the run, they're going to win this game. And even if all the Browns starters play, when I say not 100%, you know, Conklin, Wills, sure. Treader, they've had, they've dealt with, and even though they've played, or in some cases they have, they've dealt with injuries of their own, even while on the field. So now we're going to the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Detroit Lions. Shai, we'll start with you. Two not great teams. Mm-hmm. Lions 0-7. They made some close games. Eagles, great win week one kind of against Atlanta they've had some deep they, you know they played okay at times but really inconsistent and they've had some rough couple weeks yeah I'm gonna go with Philly here um and it's close mainly just because I find it I think it's gonna be I find it difficult for me to wrap my head around that this Detroit defense is gonna deal with Jalen Hurts well I mean they played decent against the Rams like, I, I thought the Rams might hang a 40-burger on them, and by far they didn't. That's true. That that was uh, it was a good showing, but I think the mobility of Jalen Hurts and, you know, his ability to just extend plays, provide, you know, a dual threat option is going to give the, the Lions, the defense, Lions defense a little bit more fits than a guy in Matt Stafford who's really just going to sit back and, and throw. I'm going to do it. The Detroit Lions, after week eight, will no longer be winless. I am picking the Detroit Lions. They've played, I think, pretty well this year. I know they're for an 0-7 team, I should say. Sure, yeah. Uh, Tough losses against the Niners. You know, Niners were healthy then. They nearly beat the Rams. I mean, if Justin Tucker doesn't break the longest field goal ever, you know, record, they beat the Ravens, almost beat the Vikings, who are a solid team. Competitive against the Rams... This Lions team is playing higher than mine. I know they're 0-7, but you have to you have to watch the games. And you have to see how no, these I games are unfolding. Agree with you. I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm saying more of one. One. <laughs> one should. The Lions are playing com- from a competitive and a, I guess, like a score differential standpoint, better than I thought. And now and, and they've been having these games against teams that are way more talented and although I like I, I like what I'm seeing so far from Dan Campo, just more well coached or more experienced on the coaching front. When I are going against a team, that's kind of in this very similar boat as the Lions in terms of where they are in the rebuilding process, where they are on the coaching staff, where they are in some of their development. And I think games in Detroit, Lions again, despite their winless record, they, in my opinion, they've been playing pretty well. Given their opponents, I think they get it done. I think look, one and seven is nothing to obviously brag home about, but I think they get their first win, and I think they're gonna they're gonna avoid going winless uh, for another time in their franchise history. No, I think it's a really respectable pick. Um, yeah, I think it's just for me hard to see how Detroit's defense is really gonna um, 
neutralize Jalen Hurts. Just I feel like and I, I think Hurts again. I don't think they're winning this game thirteen to ten. I don't. I don't even think they're gonna win it twenty to seventeen. I think both teams will probably score twenty to twenty four plus points in this right. one. But I think you know this. I think we've seen this line's defense. I mean, they held the Ravens to what nineteen. They held the Rams to what twenty eight. Like. I know 28 is not, like, an incredibly low number, but given some of these offenses they've gone against, this defense has played decently. No, I absolutely agree. I think it's a very—I could easily, like, I have no problem with you picking Detroit here. And for me, a lot of it, it's just, like, uh, I feel uh, that that, that the Eagles just match up better. Than the Rams? No, 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 just match up well against Detroit in general. Just in general? Just schematically. Um just because I don't know of how much sideline to sideline ability they have, um, in terms of you know their defensive line. Their there's line a reason why the lines are zero and seven. Right, no doubt about it. But there's also a reason why Philly's two and five. Right, I think this is a game that could easily go either way. It'll be a good game. It'll it be will. a close game. I think Detroit, though, they've been getting closer and closer. I think they finally get their first win of the year. Now. Two of those aforementioned Rams taking on the Houston Texans. This is a game I don't expect to be close. No. Texans, they were close against Arizona for like a quarter plus, and then Arizona kind of started to run away with it. Whenever you give up, give up a third and 24, that usually means your team is not very good, specifically your defense, and that's what Houston did against Arizona. The Rams are having their way. Cooper Cup might go off for 200 receiving yards. He, I mean, Cooper Cup might be the leader for the Offensive Player of the Year. Stafford's an MVP candidate. This Rams offense really is living up to the preseason hype when Stafford was traded. The defense is playing well. I I, I don't know how you know. I don't know if I'd say dominant because they've had some iffy games at times. But overall, this Rams defense has played well, and they don't. You don't need to be perfect when you have Stafford as your quarterback and what you have on offense, like the Rams do. Rams should handled the Texans pretty easily and again right right there with Arizona step for step yeah I mean I I, this is gonna probably be a butchery uh unfortunately the Rams have just played much better football the Tech- Todd Taylor might play this week I don't know maybe Houston would be more respectable as the season goes on but again offensively this, <laughs> offensively at least but for this week I don't expect that that to be a huge difference maybe they scored 17 points instead of three. No, no, no. I think if Terod Taylor plays, it's certainly a difference made. Uh, granted, but, uh, when he played, it was against Jacksonville. Uh, not not the Rams defense, which has been very, very solid this year. Right, and I think Houston will be able to score points if Taylor's the quarterback, but I don't think they'll be able to stop Stafford. And I think they'll be able to score points. But again, they scored, I believe, 37 against Jacksonville. They're not doing that against the Rams. Right. So what about going with... The Rams to handle business against a team that's just nowhere close to as talented and on a different side of kind of their window of winning. So now, again, one of the biggest games of the week, at least in my mind, Tennessee Titans against their division rival, Indianapolis Colts. Both teams got off some really slow starts. Colts, what were they? 0-3, 0-4. Titans lost to the Jets. The low, Jets winless at the time. I mean, this Jets team lost by almost six touchdowns to the Patriots. Yeah. And they beat the Titans. But both teams are playing so much better now. Titans beating the Bills and Chiefs. I know the Chiefs aren't playing as great as we thought, but those are still impressive wins. Big wins. Signature wins. Signature wins. Important wins. Season-altering wins. And the Colts, 
Big win against the Niners, who I thought talent-wise are around their level. Look, you face, I believe, was it... They, I, I think it was Houston, but they destroyed Houston. You know, they, they beat Houston the way a great team beats Houston. Right. And they really blew it against Baltimore. They blew it, but they were there. But the, they, they were, were there. there. And Blankenship makes the field goal, or if earlier uh, Clayus Campbell doesn't block the field goal, they beat Baltimore. And I thought that was a game that the Ravens not would win easily, but I thought that was a game the Ravens would be able to take care of, you know, at least in regulation. I did not think that was going to overtime. Colts, specifically Carson Wentz, playing great football, especially these last few games. I know Wentz had like the terrible interception at the goal line or fumble, whatever it was, where it kind of, the ball kind of slipped out of his hand. But the, uh, Carson Wentz is playing better football. This college team is playing better football. And I think we tend to forget, historic, almost historically, the last few years, the Colts have gotten off to some slow starts under Frank Reich before really getting it going. That is and, true. And I don't know if that's like a Frank Reich thing. I don't know if it's like a scheduling type thing. I don't know if it's a coincidence. But it's now been a pattern that slow start under Frank Reich, but when they get going, they can rip off six, seven straight wins and be able to sneak into the playoffs with a more than respectable record. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think it's absolutely right. And I still am of the opinion that the Colts are a better team. And I'm I think they're p- probably a more well-rounded team. I'm going to go with the Titans. I think right now, I love the way they're playing. That I have huge questions about that defense. I, I don't like that defense, especially come playoff time, if Tennessee does make it that far. But I'm going with the Titans. I like the way this offense is playing. A.J. Brown is playing some of his best football. Had a great game against the Chiefs. This Colts defense, specifically the secondary, has not played great, and I think I think Derrick Henry is going. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touches. I think AJ Brown's going to have a really big game as well. I'm going to go with the Titans because I, I think you look at some of their wins, who they've beaten. I mean, just from a confidence standpoint, that's huge. I and I think you know they're going to be feeling themselves coming into this one. I think they get a huge division win. I expect this game really to go either way, though. It'll be close. Yeah, I have the Colts just because I think that. Um, they'll, one, be able to get, I think, some more stops. And, you know, two, I still have a lot of, you know, the concerns about the Titans' defense is, is just there. It, and that's really the, a difference for me. Um, and I also just think, it's not only in the secondary, Alex, it's also, you know, Oh, I have, this, this whole Titans' whole defense, defense, I know Mahomes wasn't great, but that was hu- a huge telling when they were able to play the you Chiefs know, like yeah. they were. I don't think they'll be able to do that on a regular basis. And, but this whole time, Stevens concerns me, and I think it's going to ultimately hold them back from making a deep playoff run. And all, and, and and we've also seen that the the Colts be able to 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 deal with Derrick Henry. We've seen that happen before. So, you know, sometimes he gets his against Indianapolis, but we've also seen them be able to bottle him up, especially with DeForest Buckner. You know, my he's... my biggest concern is that Colts secondary because you see AJ Brown. Right. Uh, they need to get Julio going. But A.J. Brown's starting to play better and better. We'll see how Tannehill plays. But I think the play action, I could really see the Colts struggling against the play action with a secondary that has has not done the best job of holding its own. Right. I just think the Colts might be able to limit uh, the Titans' offense from the, from the running perspective. However, on the other side of the ball, I think if the Colts control time of possession, they control the clock, you know, they allow Jonathan Taylor to really you know, run behind him and, and just, you know, 
Manzik Lock take their shots when they need to expose that secondary when they get those one-on-one matchups, the defense in the box. Um, I just expect the Colts offense to, to really kind of glide here if they manage this game right. It should be a close game. I think it will be a close game. Um, but I think that the, that the Colts uh, will start to heat up under Frank Reich, and I, I'm making him the win this game. This game, I think, goes a long way towards deciding who wins the division. I agree. Uh, I think, you know, you look at it, both teams are playing, you know, incredibly well. You know, as of late, the you know Titans, Colts, really right around the same record-wise. Colts, I think, are still under five hundred, but I think I I expect the Colts to be over five hundred and in in the mix for a playoff spot. I expect both teams. Obviously, one team's going to win the division and make the playoffs regardless that way. But I think both teams are going to be in the mix. Uh, even the loser of the division will be in the mix for a playoff spot, especially because it seems like the AFC, especially with some teams not exactly living up to the hype, you know, as, you know, maybe we expected, specifically teams like the Dolphins, uh, was, you know, I know, obviously, you had them making the playoffs, and Browns, we'll see at this, on the other hand, Bengals are, I think, going to make the playoffs, so, right. AFC will be very interesting, I think both teams, though, really going to be in the thick of it uh, as the season goes on to the wire, but in terms of the division, this game is, could have playoff implications as big as any for that division, at least. Now going to those Cincinnati Bengals taking on the New York Jets. Uh, Bengals are playing unbelievable football. They held the Ravens to 17 points. Yeah, I think if you had told me that the Bengals-Ravens game would be 41-17, to I would have thought, well, the Bengals were finally exposed. I did not expect, I mean, I did not expect Cincinnati to destroy Baltimore in every phase of the game like they did. It, it was really remarkable, and the, the the exciting part of Cincinnati is they didn't even play a perfect game. They made mistakes. Joe Burrow threw a pick in the red zone where they should have closed the game out earlier. I mean, they should have had seven more points. The the this Bengals team offensively is yeah. just looks I fluid. About, it's very fluid. Ex- the defense is playing incredible though. I thought this offense would, you know, once Burrow got back into form after coming off the knee injury, the torn ACL. I thought since his offense could be solid and could be good, they're here in my mind because of the defense. Because I think everyone knew the offense had incredible potential. No one thought the defense would be playing as well as they have. They shut down the rate. Lamar Jackson was the talk of the town in terms of MVP, and he's playing better than his MVP season. I mean, Cincinnati shut him down like he was a rookie. I'm... I think it's like Lou Armanada. I, I don't exactly know how to pronounce their demons corner's last name. It's like Armarano, something like that. Uh, excuse me for that <laughs> pronunciation. Uh, but he he should be a head coaching candidate in my mind. Uh, what he's done with this Bengals unit, right up there with the Cardinals in terms of you know, blowing away expectations, I think there might be. I think that defense might be a bigger reason why the Bengals are where they are. More so than their offense. That could very well be. Because I think their defense is playing above expectations more than their offense is. Their offense might be playing better, but I think we expected the Bengals' offense to be good. I thought the Cincinnati defense could be one of the worst. You know, I'm reminded of, you know, last season as a Steelers fan, watching Cincinnati just dominate uh, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, handing them, I think, their Thursday loss in a row. And they were just really, really good defensively, just fundamentally sound, confident. 
defensively. And this, it just seems like but they had doing ended it. the season on the note, and they've carried that over. They're doing it on a week-in, week-out basis, exactly. no matter who they're going against. You know, they're winning games. Uh, and keep in mind, if McPherson, their kicker, if he makes a field goal down the stretch, they beat the Packers, and they're sitting at 6-1. and one. <laughs> Like, this Bengals team has been incredibly impressive, playing incredible football. Uh, they're playing the Jets this week. I guess, is Joe Flacco starting? Is Mike White starting? I don't know. This is a team that just lost by 41 to the Patriots. I don't think they're going to lose by 41. But they're not winning this game. No. Bengals should win this game. They've been one of the biggest surprise surprises uh, top to bottom in the NFL. Is right now they're in prime position to make the playoffs. and They're in the top spot in the AFC right now. Zach Taylor, we, I think we are both very critical of Zach Taylor. He was probably one of the... I think I think actually in the preseason he was one of the top coaches or maybe even the top coach in terms of odds to get fi- to be the first head coach fired, and all of a sudden now he's in like the top three in terms of odds to win coach of the year. He went from you know lame duck to hey look at this coaching coach of the year candidate. So incredible job, really by that entire Bengals organization is. I think they it looks like they have their franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow and the, I, there's still some holes on this team. Which surprises me so much that they're this good because I didn't really let I don't love the way they've constructed this team overall. I think they still have holes outside of Jonah Williams on the offensive line. I still have questions about how sustainable this defense can be, especially when they play, you know, the Ravens again. You know, if they play a healthy Browns team, how consistent can this defense be? But I think in terms of looking towards the future and not this year, they probably have one of the most promising cores in the NFL, and I think. You know, they had that great one with Andy Dalton, but never won a playoff game. Under Joe Burrow, over the next couple of years, if not this year, I expect that to change dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. They, they're they on fire right now for good reason, Alex. And I think, and it's sustainable. I, again, if they, cont- if they draft well and they're smart with their financial resources, this is sustainable. But they have to do that because, again, I think some of the pieces along the offensive line along with the defense. I don't know how sustainable that is. Maybe it's sustainable even for a year, from a year-in and year-out basis, which is kind of, I know you can get caught up in the moment, but for a team that's as young as the Bengals are, you're still looking at, in my mind, the big picture. I don't know how sustainable some of these unit or some of these position groups are. Now, if they address it through the draft and address it smartly through free agency, I think they can get that taken care of. Yeah. They have, they have the quarterback, though, and I think that's the most important thing. Right, and Jamar Chase, you know, McCurry's just a big, but he looks like a number one right now. And I th- I always thought he potentially could have been. It was never taking Jamar Chase. It was just over not taking Penaiso. I understand right. that. But right. I think his development is important uh, just in the context of this team. Right, and I, I think a lot of it goes with this offensive line is really overperforming. And again, great for them. Can they continue to do it? Exactly. Now, the New England Patriots taking on Los Angeles Chargers. Remember last year, Patriots destroying the Chargers in L.A. Uh, they shut them out, put up 40-plus on them, and they dominated the Chargers. I expect I expect this matchup to go just a little different. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know New England's coming off that big, you know, confident win against a division opponent. They're also the Jets, right? So... Um, they played well. They nearly beat Dallas. They nearly beat Tampa. On the other hand, their three wins are against the Jets, which were two of them, and Houston. Yeah. 
I, I think it, that last game was important for Mac Jones and his confidence and his development. He's having fun. He's, uh, having, he's, fun. he's having fun. Which, when you're playing loose, especially as a rookie, that goes a long way towards your development. And you're not playing tight. You're reading the field. You're seeing the field. And it's a big reason why that through seven weeks, he's looked like the best of the rookie quarterbacks. Right. And I think this week, uh, Justin Herbert will show him, you know, how to take that to another level. <laughs> I think... Uh, no one's comparing Mac Jones to Justin Herbert. Right, and I think there will be no comparison. Uh, I think the Patriots Sunday. can potentially hang in there. I mean, again, they hung Possibly. in there with Dallas. They hung in there with Tampa. Now, granted, those games were at home. But I think they'll be able to hang in there. I think, you know, Mac Jones, I, this Chargers defense has played very well. I love what Asante Samuel Jr. has done. I mean, he's been incredible in that secondary. I think the Patriots will be able to move the ball few times, you know, be able to put up, you know, some points, but I, at the end of the day, I don't see this defense being able to consistently stop Justin Herbert. He's another MVP candidate in my eyes, one of the best quarterbacks already in the NFL, hands down, no exception, you know, there's no caveat or exception, like, among ex-quarterbacks, no, period, among all quarterbacks, he's one of the best, and I just think that's going to show on Sunday, coming off the bye week as well. I expect this Chargers offense to, you know, continue to roll, continue to put up points, and I just think it's going to be too much for the Patriots' defense to overcome, and I don't think this Patriots' offense, although I like Mac Jones and I like what he's done so far, I don't think they're equipped to put up 30-plus points against, yeah. against, the, against teams not named the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think they're going to revert kind of back to that. I'd never very back to that kind of short, you know, passing game. They read the defense— and I just think the Chargers are more explosive and are going to be able to take advantage of that explosion at home and, and stack another win on a team, you know, that's, that's, been, that's playing solid football. But um, I had him as one of the best. The only reason why I didn't pick him to win the division was because I thought the Chiefs would be great. Exactly. But, I mean, remember, Herbert was my MVP pick preseason. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so now we go to the Jaguars and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. I like what Geno Smith has said. Geno Smith, he's not playing great football. And I think they win the last... They beat Pittsburgh, and I think they beat New Orleans if Russell Wilson were in there. Sure. But for a, for a backup quarterback, he's not playing terrible. I think he's, he's you know, he's a guy... He's a, playing almost like a game manager, trying to get the ball out to some... I would have liked to see Metcalf get involved more against the Saints. He had the 84-yard touchdown, and he had one more catch the rest of the game. So I, you got to get your playmakers more involved, especially when you're dealing with a backup quarterback. I At the same time, you know, they've been competitive against the Steelers. They've been competitive against the Saints. And against the Jaguars team, that's not very good, has struggled, has just one win on the year. I think, I think the Seahawks will be able to get it done at home. Jaguars have to travel from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. That's obviously no, no small thing to just kind of look over. But I'm really interested to see Trevor Lawrence. Kenny, he had a really good game against Miami. It was the London game, tough road trip. I liked what I saw. I thought he, I really started to see him start to turn a corner in his development in his rookie year. Now, again, a lot of travel, West Coast game. We are facing a defense that's really struggled for the most part. They've had a couple of nice games over the last couple of weeks. I still don't love the Seahawks defense overall. Can Trevor Lawrence, coming off the bye week, carry momentum and whether they win or lose can he you know continue his development and play like 
you know, the number one overall pick that Jacksonville spent on him. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Again, I just, I think right now there might be just a slightly better team than Jacksonville. Although with no Russell Wilson, it's very close, which just shows the great player that Russell Wilson is. But I'm really interested to see how Trevor Lawrence comes off the bye week. Yeah, I think that's uh, a lot of great points there. I think for me, Seattle showed its ability to game plan well, you know, and to be disciplined on the defensive side of the ball in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, against Pittsburgh, they, they really, you know, dared the Steelers to take shots down the field. They stacked the box, they stopped the run, and they say, if you can beat us over the top, do it. The Steelers couldn't do it. That's why that game was so close. The defense kept them in it. And I think that ability to game plan and take that away, you know, even if you're a team that's un, you know, not the most talented uh, on that unit is, is something that's very you know, important. I think if going up against a rookie quarterback, being able to take those things away, set no, a game plan. No DJ Chark, so I think some, there's mm-hmm. definitely some limited big play abilities for this Jaguars offense, which should play into the Seahawks' favor. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I think Geno's going to play well enough for them to win this game. And, frankly, I think he'll just might just make less mistakes than Russell Wilson. And not Russell Wilson. Than uh, Trevor Lawrence, rather. Um, just because there is still, so, uh, still some dysfunction within that Jaguars team, that Jaguars offense. Um, it never really feels like it's, you know, firing on all cylinders, if you will feels like maybe something's a little bit off. And Two I steps think, forward, one step back type of thing. Right. So I think it's Seattle will be able to game plan some turnovers and keep uh, that offense in a good position. To keep keep them. The and I think Geno Smith, again, against a not-so-great defense, will be able to keep him in the game and kind of let his playmakers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, let those guys take over. And against a suspect Jaguars defense, I think they will be able to do so. That's why, you know, I, I had... I don't think Jacksonville... I like James Robinson, no DJ Chark. I don't think Jacksonville has those weapons that Seattle does. Even though both defenses aren't very good, I'm giving Seattle the edge. And so we're both going with Seattle here, despite no Russell Wilson. They played okay. They, they've been competitive the last couple of weeks. Right. So now Washington taking on the Denver Broncos. Broncos, tough loss against Case Keenum and the Browns. Broncos seem to be spiraling out of control. They start three and zero, very easy schedule. Giants, Jets, Jaguars. Now they fa- now they're facing some much better teams and tougher teams, and I think reality has kind of hit them right in the face. I'm gonna go with Denver here, Washington. I think they'll be able to score a decent amount. Taylor Heineke has had his moments, but this Washington defense has really struggled. It seems like Jerry Judy is coming back, and I think against a a not so great defense. You know, we're talking about how it's all about getting the ball to your playmakers with Geno Smith. I think Teddy Bridgewater will definitely be able to do that. Get the ball to Sutton. Get the ball to Judy. Get the ball to Fant. And Washington or Denver's defense will be keying on McLaurin because after McLaurin, no one on this Washington offense really scares you. The running game hasn't been great with Antonio Gibson. Taylor Heineke's legs definitely are a threat, but I don't think they're at that level especially with his, you know, still development as a passer that, you know, I don't know if Heineke's legs can beat you for 60 minutes. So I'm just going with Denver. I just think they have more weapons against a defense in Washington that has really underperformed expectations. This Denver defense hasn't been great over the last few weeks, but I think, again, against a suspect offense, 
I think they'll struggle against McLaurin, but I think they'll be able to limit him to the point where their offense uh, can kind of take over to an extent and get the win. Yeah, I think both teams have struggled uh, pretty mightily recently. Um, but I'm going to take the Broncos as well. I just have a little bit more faith. In... And games in Denver, Washington has to make that you know, Right, trip. high altitude, etc. I, I, I just like Teddy Bridgewater a little bit more, but I like Taylor Heineke. I think Heineke, I, I think, possesses a bigger upside, but his development as a passer still has a ways to go. Right. And um, I, I also just I also think that Denver, you know, can might be able to run the ball here. Washington's defensive line has not been up to par this season. I uh, really underperformed. Um, still, we're still saying that it's week eight. Um, so it's just something to know. Well, week eight, I know now there's eighteen weeks, seventeen games, but we're around the midpoint of the year. It's no more. Well, it's early. Well, we'll see how things even out. Right. At this point, you kind of are what your record says you are and what the stats say. There's no one bad game might skew things. We're week eight. Based on what you've shown the first seven weeks, it's hard to see your team changing. Unless, you know, if you've played great or terrible the last few weeks, maybe that, you know, can alter some things. But based on that, that's not the case with Washington. At this point, I think their defense pretty much is what it is. And I think the argument can be made that Denver might even have just as good, if not better, of a defense at this point, Alex, potentially. So I think, you know, Denver's a little bit more balanced right now. I know that they've struggled, but this game's at home. I just think they'll, it'll be close. I don't think it'll be particularly high scoring, um, but I, I, I think they'll, they're going to be able to eke out a win. So we're both going with Denver to kind of move back to 500 after losing four in a row after starting the year so great at three and oh. So now, Bucks Saints. I'm going with the Bucks here. I know the Saints defense played great last week. It was against Geno Smith. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is an MVP candidate. Tom Brady might be playing the best football he has at the age of 44. He's been great. I'm going with the Bucks. Tough road game. Definitely going to a hostile environment. But the Saints team isn't the same without, you know, with Drew, Jameis Winston and no, no Drew Brees. I know Brees wasn't great last year, but it's just a different look Saints team. And I, I think Tampa kind of has their way. Yeah, I mean, different look, but different confidence, too. There's a different way that they carry themselves and different leadership. Absolutely. I, I'm going to go with the Bucks as well. Again, Brady's on fire. You know, obviously this Bucks defense hasn't been as maybe as great as we've always you know, we thought they could Specifically be. Specifically the secondary, which right. I had my questions to begin with. But even if Michael Thomas is back this week, I know they have Marquez Callaway. There's no one on this Saints offense that I'm, you know, other than Kamara, there's no one on the Saints offense that I'm scared of that can really expose our secondary. I think, you know, Kamara had the passing game potentially. But again, you know, you can kind of put a double team with with a Devin White or someone. Exactly. So, I mean, I think we're going to both go with the Bucks here. Just more firepower, more confidence, basically in every facet, I would say. Um, so that would be a, a, an interesting game to see if the Saints can hold up at home, but I, I like the Bucks. Can they keep it close? But I just don't think they have the offensive firepower, and their defense has played well, but I don't think they'll be able to hold Brady in that explosive offense in check. So now a great Sunday night game. It should be a high-scoring game. The Dallas Cowboys taking on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. <laughs> and I say that with tons of uncertainty because I really like this Vikings team. 
Both teams are coming off the bye. Both teams should be well prepared. I just, right now, I I trust Dak Prescott more than Kirk Cousins. But I really like... I really like both teams, both offenses heading into this one. It should be a high-scoring game. I think Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, I think they're all going to have big games. Cook and Zeke as well. It's gonna be a, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a really great back-and-forth game. It's in Minnesota, which you know makes it a little more, even more difficult. But right now, the way Dak's playing, the way that offense has played, and the way the defense has been able to hold their own for the most part, yeah, I I will go with Dallas. I'll lean Dallas in this one. I will say I want to see, believe it or not, I want to see Minnesota target Trayvon Diggs. And I know he has all the interceptions, and, and that doesn't seem like the smart decision. But Diggs was really aggressive, and I'm almost surprised at the lack of double moves that receivers have done against him. If I'm going up against Trayvon Diggs, I'm almost telling my offensive coordinator I'm running a double move every play because he's so aggressive, and that's how you get him to bite. So. I want to see them maybe run some more simpler routes against him early and then late, run some double moves, get Trayvon Diggs a bite, use his aggressiveness against him. I want to see, you know, from Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, whoever Diggs lines up against, I want to see that from them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I like the Cowboys in this game. I just think that the offensive firepower is more, it's greater. And I'm also worried about... You know the Vikings secondary. The Vikings secondary. Peterson hasn't played very well. Dantzler's been okay. He was, I believe, just a fourth round pick. But Vikings, they need to get. They still haven't been able to get that secondary right, even after years of, you know, pouring in assets. Yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, this Vikings offense has been has been solid, but not always the most consistent. Um, so I I you know if if it'll be interesting to see. If they're if you know how much time does Kirk Cousins have to throw? How open will these again will these receivers get I among think, this among this yeah. Dallas secondary? I want to see them be creative, well. as I said, because I think if you run double moves, if you're creative with your route concepts, I do think they'll be able to get open. Yeah, against a Cowboys secondary, very good, very talented, but can be over aggressive at times. Yeah. So now we wrap up with the Monday night game: the New York Giants taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. I, it's a get-right game for the Chiefs. And I said it on last week's podcast. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs need to get back to basics. Like I said you know, earlier with some of the younger quarterbacks, get the ball out quick. Quick reads. Get them in a rhythm. Make the first 15 plays or however many passes easy. Run the ball. Do all that and just get Mahomes in a rhythm. That's what you did his first year starting. He had five touchdowns against the Chargers and six touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers in two of his first three career starts. His first career, it was week one and week two of that year. I want to see them quick plays, get the ball quickly, and let Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey take over against a giant secondary that's really struggled. Bradbury and Adore Jackson have not lived up to their expectations coming into the year. Jabril Peppers is now out for the year with a ruptured ACL. Logan Ryan and Xavier Mini, Xavier McKinney have been inconsistent. I want to see, get the ball out quickly, get the ball out to Hill, get the ball out to Kelsey, and let those guys take over with yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean... They're feeding Mahomes to the Wolves, and even a guy like Mahomes, yeah. you just can't do. 
that offensive line has really struggled as well. Yeah, I think the Giants might be able to keep it close just because of how, how much the Chiefs have struggled. But yeah, they've got to get the ball out quickly and get them in a rhythm. It doesn't have to be pretty, but you have to find a way to win this game if you're the Chiefs. It's a get-right game for the Chiefs. I think we're both going with the Chiefs. Jones yes. had Jones has played well given the lack of weapons that's been around him. Galladay, Tony, Shepard, they've all been injured at various times this year. I don't think he'll. I think he could play decent depending on who's available, but I don't think he'll be able to get the job done. That's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast Week Eight. We'll see you next week.